0: Pentecost Sunday is traditionally the day when Christians around the world celebrate the birthday of the church. But what if we said that Pentecost is the day when Christians around the world celebrate the empathy of the church? The empathy of the church. Simply stated, empathy is the capacity. To stand in someone's shoes. In the Aramaic context in in which Jesus spoke, empathy can be described as having mercy or compassion. For example, when the multitudes gathered around Jesus, the scripture says that he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. This word mercy or compassion. Being empathetic literally means in the Aramaic to get under someone's skin, to see life from their perspective, to understand with the eyes of compassion. Let me illustrate. Several years ago, there was a prominent minister holding a weekend seminar down at a church in North Carolina, and he kept noticing a man in the very front row who couldn't stay awake, nodding his head, struggling to stay awake. And the preacher got aggravated. And he thought to himself, I wonder why this man can't stay awake. During the lunch break, though, a woman came up to the preacher and she said, Sir, let me apologize for my husband's drowsiness. For you see, he's undergoing chemo. And the doctor has him on a medication to control the side effects, but it makes him awful sleepy. I tried to persuade him to stay home from church, but he wouldn't have a thing of it. He said, I'm going to that church as long as I am able. I'll never know when I won't longer be able to go. This was a wake-up call for the minister. He was convicted by the Holy Spirit, and his attitude toward the drowsy man was transformed. Why? The man's wife had enabled him to understand what was going on, what was under the surface, what was beneath the veneer, as we might say. I've said this to our staff many times, and I continue to say that, is you never know what's going on in the life of someone else. They might be upset with you, they might be angry or sad or emotional or whatever, and it's our job as pastors and leaders to maintain a posture of empathy and understanding because you truly never know what someone else got going on. This is one of the reasons why I give good tips at restaurants. I worked at Pizza Hut in college, and I remember what it was like when a crowd came in at five minutes till close. And where we went to Winthrop, now University in Rock Hill, South Carolina, just below Carowinds, King's Dominion, right? And the large groups would come into Pizza Hut right there at I-77 where I worked. And we had to deal with all of that. So I have empathy for server. Even if the service is slow, even if they don't fill my cup up again, I still make sure I leave a good tip. You never know what they got going on. When I'm in line at the grocery store, I patiently, even when there's only one cashier open and the self-checkout's backed up, I try to maintain some composure because I remember it was when I worked at Kroger in high school and people would get Upset about those kinds of things. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can maintain a posture of understanding, empathy, and grace. Maybe others will be able to see the light of Jesus shine through us in those moments. The question today is, what if Pentecost were a call for Christians and our churches not to have a posture of judgment, but rather to stand in someone else's shoes to be able to see beneath the surface. On our church's 58th birthday and of the birthday of of the church, may the Spirit of God help us to be open to such possibility that we would have a posture of Spirit-led empathy and understanding. Pentecost means 50th. The festival was a Jewish festival celebrated 50 days from the feast of the first fruits. In the time of Jesus, his ascension came, his ascension to heaven came 40 days after the resurrection on Easter. 10 days later at Pentecost, as you heard read in the scripture, God sent the Holy Spirit to the believers and they had power they had never experienced before. This was a miracle for only the Spirit of God could enable the believers to speak in other languages they had never learned that were not their own. You remember that Jesus, after his death on the cross, was buried in a tomb, likely a cave, sealed with a large stone. And on the third day, the women came to give him appropriate burial that he deserved under Jewish custom And when they arrived, they saw that his body was not there. The voice of an angel said, he is not here. He is risen just as he said. That day, according to all the gospels, Jesus appeared to his disciples, starting first with the women. And what is likely the first written account of the resurrection, the apostle Paul says that he appeared to many others, in fact, Over 500, as he writes in 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul says he also appeared to him. On the 40th day, he ascended before the very eyes of the apostles, and a cloud hid him from their sight. A number of them, about 120 or so, were staying in Jerusalem, obeying what Jesus said, that they were to wait and pray. And Jesus said, you will... Be my witnesses. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's what they did. They waited and prayed. And after 10 days, the 50th day, the Pentecost day, they were all together in one place. Likely not in the house, but in the temple area because there were many of them, 120 or so. And like a storm chaser, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, reports what happened next. He says that the Holy Spirit came upon them and enabled them to speak in tongues that they had never learned or knew. In Eugene Peterson's message version, he describes it like this. Like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks and they started speaking a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. And he then Peterson says that those who heard were blown away. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? They're speaking... Our languages describing God's mighty works. Peterson writes, their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? The reality took a little bit to settle in, but the followers of Jesus were miraculously able to speak languages to the thousands upon thousands of pilgrims who had come all over from all over the known world for the festival of Pentecost. In addition, those who lived in or around Jerusalem were there. Suddenly, they were all understood. There was no longer a language barrier. This would enable the sharing of the good news of the Messiah Jesus. And this would enable formation of relationships. Y'all, when we speak language, we can understand their relationships cultivated. That's why it's important for us as a church to know the context in which we are planted. Those who had traveled from far away would be able to return to their homes to tell the good news of what they had experienced. When Peter gave his sermon on Pentecost to give explanation to some who could not understand it or doubted, or even accused the apostles of having too much to drink, his sermon, led by the Holy Spirit, allowed the believers to give the gift of empathy to these pilgrims. And they felt part of something new. They, they were part of the family of God. These new believers formed a community that would become the church of Jesus Christ. This is the framework for what you see in your bulletin, which we have called the five God-sized dreams as we live into the future that God has planned for us. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we see each of these five pillars of the church expressed as the church became, as verse 44 says, together having everything in common. They worshiped. They taught, discipling one another. They gathered in fellowship one another. They reached out to their community and they made sure no one was hungry or in need, fulfilling the mission of God. There was a community with humility and empathy, and this is part of the DNA of the church. Time and again, the early church would be tested and they would need to reclaim their roots of empathy and understanding. On this Pentecost Sunday, we find ourselves once again tested by the political, social, racial, cultural, and economic, and other divides that divide our people. Think of the many ways that congregations and their communities are polarized into camps, and sometimes even Christians can't agree with one another. The Spirit yet comes to us on this Pentecost Sunday with a mighty rushing wind, helping us to break out of these boxes that we might understand each other better and to unite us together in the love of Jesus Christ that the world might see his glory. In the words of 20th century Swiss physician and respected counselor Paul Tournier, he said, He who loves, or the one who loves, understands, and the one who understands, loves. One who feels understood feels loved, and the one who feels loved feels sure of being understood. Imagine if the mission of our church was simply to go out and empathize with our neighbors, to stand in their shoes. As theologian Paul Tillich said so clearly, the first duty of love is to listen. Imagine if every member at HRBC caught that vision. Could you imagine the people around our church, what they might be asking, they might be saying what they said at the first Pentecost? What does this mean? Imagine the old walls of division that would come down, the changes of heart relationships that would be healed, addictions that would cease, assumptions blown apart. Imagine the hope, the healing, the compassion, the humility, the empathy, the love that people might like both Jesus and his church. Because you know, a lot of people who are out of the church today say they like Jesus, but they don't like his churches. Imagine if we flip the script. As Martin Luther King, Jr., drawing on his own faith, famously put it, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. The pandemic has affected each of us in one way or another, hasn't it? The isolation and the missing of fellowship and good friends and family, the grief of losing out on celebrations like graduations and homecomings and proms, economic challenges, unemployment, the long-term feelings of loss and grief, long COVID, the politicizing of mask wearing and being vaccinated, and I can go on. Personally, I can't hear the words of COVID or pandemic or virus without thinking of my own dad who died of COVID on July 30th, 2020. I'm still going to my counselor, working on my own stuff, my own grief. But something that Pastor Rick Warren said, I think I heard him say it about 20 years ago, and often since then, he said, this has been a help to me, that God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a hurt. He was speaking Warren was of the redemptive nature of God who enables us to empathize with others. In his letter to the Corinthians the second letter, the first chapter, Paul writes, Praise be to God, and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the god of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble. With the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Through our own hurts, God enables us to empathize with others. Within about a month of my dad's funeral, I was back here at church and led three funerals for people who had lost their own dad. I honestly didn't know how I was going to be able to lead them. I would never have wanted to go through what I experienced. But God gave me the ability to empathize with these families in a way that I never could have before. I had stood a little while in their shoes. A little girl was outside playing and her mom called and said that it was time to come in for supper. But her daughter lingered a family circus cartoon with the dotted lines, where they go everywhere else but where they're supposed to go. And uh, so, when the little girl finally did come in the front door, her mama said, "What? Where? Where were you? Why didn't you come in when I called?" And the little girl explained that when she was coming home, that she saw her friend outside, whose doll was broken. And the mom said, so did you stop to help her fix her doll? And the little girl said, no, I stopped to help her cry. Maybe that's the lesson on this Pentecost Sunday. That we are not called to fix people, but we are called to stand with them in their deepest need. Today, you and I have an opportunity to minister to people. Some may be in great need. On the pulpit here to your left, my right, you see this little flower. It's a vinca put together by our new fellowship and outreach implementation team leaders. And in this little plant is a card that talks about our church that asks people if they have prayer requests, and there's a QR code where they can submit them. And then on the other side, talks about some of the things that we are doing as a church, especially Vacation Bible School. And our challenge today is to take one of these flowers off of the table where we are eating in the Family Life Center just a minute, and prayerfully give it to someone who might need a word of encouragement. And maybe they don't have a church, and maybe God will lead them our way or a way to a family of faith. So I hope that you'll take one if there is enough available. If not, you let Vicki Feltz or Chris Branch know, and I'm sure they'll help you to get something to take. Seek to empathize and stand with your neighbor's shoes for just a little while. Henry Nouwen said, Compassion breaks through the boundaries between languages and countries, rich and poor, educated and illiterate. This compassion pulls people away from the fearful click into the large world where they can see every human face, is the face of a neighbor.